I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3. Uh, if you're anything like me, the coronavirus and the quarantine thereafter has caught you off guard. Certainly it has as a nation and most certainly as a, as a globe. Um, and as of this recording, there have been over 245,000 people who have been uh, infected, representing 179 countries around the world, and sadly, tragically, taking over 10,000 lives. And so we come to this juncture in life where we're ever aware that, God, we need you. And we say that. We need you, God, desperately. And so this past week, as I was reflecting on uh, this particular journey of faith, I decided to pause on my sermon calendar and was drawn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I'd ask if you would stand so we could read this passage together. This is one of those beautiful passages. It's been long-standing in history. Songs have been written about it since the 60s or so. And so I want you to read this with me. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses 1 through 11 in a sermon entitled, entitled Experiencing Hope in the Seasons of Life. Here's what the precious and errant infallible word of God says. There is an appointed time for everything and there is a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time uh, to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw sto stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to shun embracing, a time to search and a time to give up as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear apart and a time to sew together. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What profit is there to the worker from that in which he toils? I have seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. He has set, he's made everything appropriate in its time, and he has also set eternity in their heart, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. And yes, church, even on days like this, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Let's go to the Lord and pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we ask that by your word, you would make us more like Jesus. Lord, help us to see that that is our greatest need as Christians is to be made more like your son, to be made uh, holier in this life, to be made more peaceable, to be made more gracious, just like he is. We're thankful that this morning Jesus is interceding on our behalf. We're thankful that, Lord, your presence is here with us. And we're thankful, Father, for your faithfulness to us. As you've promised by your Holy Spirit that you will grow your sheep into your image. We ask that evermore now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're standing, you may be seated. There is a time for everything, an appointed time for everything under heaven. 
So I was reflecting on Ecclesiastes 3, just a few questions came to mind. First, where do we turn in times of trouble and uncertainty? When we have more questions than answers, how do we stay the course, continuing to live faithfully and fruitfully? In a world who lately is seemingly overwhelmed with anxiety and fear, how do we, the the people of God, the church of God, bring peace and hope to everyone? So Ecclesiastes, uh, I believe, gives us some great answers, and I hope um, that you do have your Bibles open, you've got something to write with, because I'd like to start with just a big idea from our passage. Our, our big idea is this, uh, because God is sovereign, we can experience and share hope in every circumstance. Because God is sovereign, we can experience and share hope in every circumstance. That is what Ecclesiastes really is all about. It's about the seasons of life. Now, we're Floridians. Uh, We do have seasons, but not like everyone else. Everyone else, most people around this world have seasons like spring, summer, fall, and winter. We have seasons like pollen, sunburn, football, and hurricane. Those are the Floridian seasons. Uh, But the longer I live, I not only get to experience seasonal times on this planet, but in my life, I get different seasons in this life. For instance, I sent my mentor and friend, Pastor Mark, a video this week of my son Emmett practicing his catechisms and singing uh, Jesus Loves Me. And his response to me was, enjoy every minute of it because soon you'll be sending him off to college. We're in two different seasons. I'm taking the season of my life to enjoy every minute I have of watching my children grow up and being uh, their dad. And he is preparing his son to go off to college. So we all have different seasons in life. We've all experienced many of these. But often these seasons of life can catch us off guard, much like what we've experienced with the coronavirus. And so Um, In the midst of that, we need to know how we can share and experience hope in this season. So let me give you a bit of a background on the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes opens up pretty despairing. In fact, throughout the book, Solomon, the writer, keeps going from despair to hope, despair to hope. Remember, Solomon was one who was given great wisdom, and he writes this book out of despair. He's looking at his life, he's looking at his stuff, and he just keeps saying, vanity, vanity, I've done this, I've done that, I've lived long, but now I'm just in despair. I'm like a man without hope. And so Solomon coined this term, life under heaven. Meaning life on earth, life below heaven. I'm despairing and all is vanity. And then in chapter 3, something happens in the book. Solomon uh, looks up instead of continuing to look down. Uh, He plants his feet more in eternity and he turns towards the Lord than the seasons of life that are fleeing and passing and sometimes, as we know, tumultuous. So beautifully, chapter 3 begins with hope. It begins with God on center stage. It's radically different if you read the first two chapters. So this morning, I want to share with us just a few truths from Ecclesiastes 3 that will allow us to experience this hope individually and share hope with others during these difficult times. 
Truth number one is this. This is a truth that is beautiful and foundational to all of Scripture, but particularly in Ecclesiastes 3. The truth is this. God is sovereign over the times and the seasons of life. God is sovereign over the time and seasons of life. Yes, friends, even amidst this season of life, God is sovereign. He's never stopped being sovereign, never ceases to be in control and ruling and reigning over all things. God is sovereign over the time and seasons of life. Boy, that is a truth to hang our hats on. Look at Ecclesiastes verse 1 of chapter 3. It says, there is an appointed time for everything and there is a time for every event under heaven. That phrase under heaven has a very positive connotation to it because everything that happens in this time-bound universe, don't miss this, everything that happens in this time-bound universe is under the sovereign authority of God who is sitting on the throne ruling in heaven. Everything. So, so human life is not haphazard. Uh, a biblical understanding of time and its place in the Christian worldview uh, begins with the sovereignty of God. And that's what we need in this particular instance. We need to have that, that picture of what Isaiah experienced in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 where he saw the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted, with a train of his robe filling the temple. We know the angels are surrounding him, bowing down. We need a picture of God's sovereignty during times of trouble. We can go back in history and the reformers, gave, the reformers gave us a great statement in the Westminster Shorter Catechism that says this, God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. Because of this, we can be a people of hope. He is on the throne. We are not. But we stand in all of him. Therefore, he's on the throne all the time, during every time and event. Yes, even those times of crisis, those moments of crisis in life. He's sovereign over time in the sending of his son. I love what Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 tells us. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son. It was the perfect time. It was God's timing. He is seated on the throne, and at the right time, he sends his son into human history. Jesus even began his public ministry repeating this, saying this. The time is fulfilled in Mark chapter 1, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Just think about that. Jesus says, the time, that's a, a definite article. It means a very specific time. So God is Lord over the time and seasons of our life because he rules and overrules everything in our life. It is all under his control and beautifully under his care. I was thinking about this this week. It was actually two years ago, this coming Monday, uh, that my grandmother, otherwise and more popularly known as Mama, uh, was taken to the hospital. I remember she was feeling disoriented and dizzy and was having issues with some headaches and I was already out on hospital visits that day and so I met my mom at Baptist downtown thinking I'd just pop in for a visit, check on mama and see what was going on. But when I saw my mom, I knew something terribly wrong had happened. My grandmother had a stroke 
And I just remember sitting there in shock, thinking, this, this, isn't, this can't be, this isn't real. Thinking I was going to lose her, or at least lose my life as I knew it with her. But as many of you know, Mama is still with us. And even though she's still suffering from some of the effects of her stroke, our family has had such a sweet season of life with her because we know that we almost lost her. And so every time we get to be with her, even though it's different, we recognize it is certainly a gift from above. Many of you know as well, my, my mother being the primary caregiver to my grandmother has also had such a wonderful season with her. Not only that, but the most encouraging thing is that Mama has not lost the joy of the Lord. I remember sitting in the hospital two days after her stroke and she just kept wanting me to read psalms to her over and over and over. She would just say, another, another. And in the midst of, of mumbling difficult things and things she didn't even know she was saying, she kept requesting the Lord's word. She may not remember all that she used to, but Mama knows her God and praises him. Her hope continues to be found in Christ. And because God is seated on the throne, because we know she belongs to the Lord uh, there, though there has been a lot of pain and there has been despair, our family, by the grace of God, has leaned into the sovereignty of God and our relationship with her is moving forward faithfully and fruitfully in Christ. So there's an encouragement here to all of us because we don't know what the seasons of life hold. If this event has taught us anything, it's that we don't. We don't know what today or tomorrow holds, but here's what we do know. We have a sovereign God who is seated on the throne. He is ruling and overruling. He wasn't caught off guard by the coronavirus. He wasn't caught off guard by my grandmother's stroke. Yet when we look to him, it gives us hope and propels us forward to the new seasons of life. So we thank the Lord for his sovereignty. Truth number two is this. God is sovereign and transforms our lives in times of trouble. God is sovereign, we've looked at that truth, but I want us to look at really this truth. He transforms our lives in times of trouble. What a gift this is. This is really a blessing. Uh, look down with me to verse 11 of Ecclesiastes chapter three, where it says these words at the beginning, he has made everything appropriate in its time. Now the word appropriate here in the Hebrew has a wide range of meaning in the scriptures. Uh, it, it means, uh, it's most often translated as the word beautiful. It can mean beautiful woman like Rachel. It can, uh, beauty of something good, something right. It's also used for the words pleasing and appropriate at times as we see here. So, so what Solomon is suggesting here in our text is through the seasons of life, God takes the clay of our life and as the master potter, he puts his hand on it and he shapes and molds us and makes us into something beautiful. And therefore, in God's sovereignty, he transforms us to the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just wonder if you ever ask yourself, in your life, when, there, when were the times where you have been most transformed? When are the times where you have been the most changed? Where you were transformed to be like Jesus. I just, I just know this in my own spiritual journey. As, as much as I love the mountaintops and I have had 
a blessing of mountaintops in my life for sure, the transformations for Pastor Cody most often take place in the valleys. I don't know if that's the same for you, but it's certainly been the case with me and most people that I've met. We know the story of Joseph, right? It's a remarkable uh, story. 11 chapters in the book of Genesis, literally almost 20% of Genesis dedicated to the patriarch Joseph. We know this is a guy who lost a lot. He went through a lot of pain. His brothers hated him. They forsook him. They wanted him dead. They sell him into slavery. Then he's, he's serving well in Potiphar's house and he's lied about and thrown into prison and then he makes friends in prison and his friends in prison forget about him but but guess what God was still involved in all of this in transforming Joseph I want to read this from Psalm 105 16 to 19 and I want you to listen to these words of what the Bible tells us it says this and he called for a famine upon the land he broke the whole staff of bread He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself was laid in irons until the time came that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. Here's what the Bible just did in that passage. I don't know if you caught this. The Bible takes full credit for sending Joseph to Egypt. And yet at the same time, God holds Joseph's brothers and his family accountable for their actions. See, even the tragic and evil occurrences must bow to the good purposes of our sovereign God. He is not aloof. We can trust him that the crosses in our lives can truly become ornaments of beauty. We have the privilege this morning to hear a testimony on God's faithfulness in the midst of tragic circumstances. And and I just kept wondering why we filmed this before uh, everything went down, but uh, now I know because I think it's going to be such an encouragement to you to see that God continues to give his people remnants of his faithfulness as he seeks to transform us into the image of his son, even through the most dire, damaging, difficult circumstances. Take a break and watch this testimony from our dear brother and sister in Christ. Me and Lou were here today to give our testimony and it's about God's grace, amazing grace, God's love. God showed his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. The amazing truth is that Christ Jesus died for utterly unworthy people like us. Christ's death for us is not proof of our valuable as wonderful people. Rather, it shows His amazing love that He would die for rotten people like us. The amazing price of our redemption, the shed blood of God, is a testimony to how bad we truly are. The higher price, the greater the testimony to our depravity and the wondrous love of God. It's not only for God's glory, but also for our good that we understand the cross of Christ. It doesn't show our worthiness, but it shows God's amazing grace. Never forget what Christ did for us on Calvary. That was a short little devotional by Randy Alcorn. We know that we deserve death, hell, and judgment. And if Lou was still able to speak, he would say the same thing. Same thing. We're, we're so thankful for God's amazing love. His mercies are new every day. Everything that we have is from the Lord. All good gifts comes from our Savior. We boast in the Lord. Psalms 54.4 God is our help. The Lord is 
the one who sustains us. Colossians 1.17, our Lord is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, our Lord remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Our story, God's faithfulness when we were not. We grew up in Callahan. We dated for a couple of years. Then we married both babies of the family. That's trouble right there. Married January 18th, 1980. We just celebrated 40 years. God fought for us. Several times we were going to throw in the towel. We said no more. <laughs> Many prayed for us. God's amazing grace, His love. God kept this marriage together and we're so grateful. Lou was in construction for 40 plus years. He worked with his dad for several years. When Mr. Kilpatrick passed, Lou started his own company. <laughs> I worked in the insurance industry for 18 years. My job moved to Arizona, so I left the insurance world, and a year later, I started working at a furniture store. I was there for 20 years. In 2015, our journey began with Lou's illness. Psalms 118.8. It is better to take refuge in the Lord God than to trust in mankind. I noticed that Lou's balance was a little off. He was forgetting things. He was always great with numbers and figures. I started talking to family members and I said, something is not right. Some would say, oh, we're getting older. And of course, at that time, Lou was just 57. With this particular disease that Lou has, he knows everything that's going on. This disease affects his eyes, so that's why he's in sunglasses all the time. It affects his speech. <laughs> he's very tired and his muscles are stiff. So I started telling Lou, I said, we were really need to go see a primary care doctor and this is in 2015 finally eight nine months down the road he finally said let's go so we Lou had always been well so we didn't have a primary care doctor for Lou we found one they clicked right away um, when the doctor started running tests for Lou everything came back normal blood work was normal MRIs were normal probably three or four months down the road, the, the primary care doctor said it's time to go see a neurologist. The first neurologist that Lou saw was in 2016. She specialized in MS. She ruled out MS about three or four months later, and then she said it's really time to go see a movement neurologist. So we saw two different neurologists then. At that time frame, Lou was still working, he was not able to drive, so his crew members would come to the house, pick him up, and he would go to work with them. They would bring him home. Lou's crew members started telling me, this is in 26, the summer of 2016, that Lou's falling a lot on the job. Isaiah 41, 13, I'm the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. <laughs> So we, went, we finally were able to get into the neurologist, the two movement specialists. Um, they did several testing. One neurologist said it was OPCA, Oliponta cerebella. The other neurologist said it was PSP, progressive supranuclear palsy. Progressive supranuclear palsy. Both diseases are in the Parkinson's family. Both diseases are more, pro more progressive than Parkinson's. PSP is more progressive than OPCA. Both doctors were still running other tests. After other tests were ran, they both agreed that it was PSP, progressive supranuclear palsy. So now this is still 2016. We're starting to pursue retirement. So we called Social Security Department about Lou retiring. Lou is just now 58. Um, 
the representative there at Social Security told us to send in all the paper, the medical paperwork we did. Matthew 8, 26, Jesus said, you have little faith, why are you afraid? The representative there told me that sometimes it takes about two to three years before you can get disability. Six months later, after we submitted the paperwork, Lou received his first Social Security disability check. So we also started talking about Lou selling his heavy equipment because he had been with the construct in construction for 40 plus years. He had quite a bit of equipment and tools. So this is during the time of 2015, 2016, where the economy was not so great. So I thought, well, it'll take about a year, maybe two years to sell all that. Within four to six months, it was all sold. And we got what we asked for. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. Therefore, hold your peace. <laughs> when we were in the <laughs> when we were in our late 20s and 30s, we took out two life insurance policies. We also took out a 12-month disability plan, an accident plan also, just in case we was to get hurt on the job. So we called the disability insurance company. We told them about Lou's illness. They said, submit all the paperwork. So we did. We figured that we would receive a check, maybe eight or $900 a month. That would be for 12 months. When we received Lou's first check, disability check, it was tripled that amount. This is all God. So I called the insurance company just to verify the amount and it was correct. Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me and see, says the Lord God, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so many blessings that there will not be enough room to store it. So we're still in 2016. Lou's still doing well with the disease. Um, each time we went to see the neurologist, he would always ask Lou, where's your pain? Where do you hurt at? Lou never to this day has had any pain. We praise the Lord for that. <laughs> 2016 still, Lou's doing yard work and housework. His balance was not great, but as long as he was going slow, he did okay. 2017, Lou is still able to get around fine. He's still mowing the yards. In fact, he's mowing the whole neighborhood's yards. He's still working in the yard, but he is starting to fall more. Summer of 2017, we had to get rid of the lawnmower because he thought he was in Daytona 500. His mother that lives behind us was thrilled that we got rid of the lawnmower. <laughs> Middle of 2018, Lou is still walking okay. Um, he's slow, slow now, but he's using his walker a little bit more. November of 2018, I started talking to my coworkers about leaving work. Um, of course, this is our busy season because we're selling furniture. So I told them that we were going to have to probably quit work very soon. Um, we stayed on until April of 2019. My coworkers were so great. I would bring Lou to work with me. They would watch over him. My customers would watch over Lou. Lou would sit in the recliner, watch TV while I worked. It was just getting a little hard to bring Lou, get him out of bed, and bring him to work. So I told my coworkers that probably the end of April I would be leaving the company, and I did. And again, my coworkers and the customers were just great with Lou. January of 2019, I received a call from one of our insurance agents. He advised that Lou's life insurance premium was going to go up because of his birthday in March. So 
So I asked how much and I told him that this is not a good time for us because I'm in the process of leaving my job to take care of Lou. The agent asked, well, what's wrong with Lou? And I told Lou, I told the agent about Lou's disease. The agents asked me to submit all the medical information a week later. This premium was waived. Another bill removed. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Psalms 56 3. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in the Lord. April 2019. I left my job. I received our last paycheck at my job, May 2019. Um, it was not, um, I was not old enough to retire. Um, I knew that we didn't have enough money in our checking account the last three or four years. I'm not at retirement age yet. So we're home now, and the Lord kept telling me in the months of April and May, call my insurance company, my life insurance company. And I kept thinking, Lord, I don't think I have any rider on that policy for Lou's disability. And then people, the Lord sent people into my life talking to me about my life insurance policy. <laughs> so I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to call. So I called the agent at that life insurance area, and she said, I've never heard of a particular rider for the ben that particular benefit. So she said, let me call the home office. She called the home office. She asked about Lou's illness. Uh, she said, I'm sending you paperwork for you to fill out and for the neurologist to fill out. She said, um, just submit all the records. So we all submitted the records that needed to go in. A week later, I did not hear from the agent. So I called. The agent said, I just sent out a denial letter. And I said, okay. You know, I'm thinking, all right. But um, the agent said, on the phone that the doctor did not submit all the information. So I asked, well, what wasn't received? And the agent told me that there was a particular form number that was not filled out. So I called the doctor's office. I spoke to the nurse there. I explained what was happening. The nurse advised that all paperwork was faxed out. So I told her, thank you. I said, the claim department denied it anyway. So I would, I would like for you though, just to send it back to the um, insurance company so that they could have all the records just in case at a later date they needed it. The, the nurse asked, well, why was it denied? And I said, I'm really not sure. Maybe the particular benefit, the living needs benefit was not on the life insurance policy. So a week and a half later, the agent calls us at the house and she said, Lou, tell Lou that there's a check for him to pick up. <laughs> I said, what? I mean, I was in disbelief. This is all God again. Remember, I just left my job end of April 2019, middle of May 2019, two weeks later, we received a check that was a little bit over what I would make for my salary for 2019. The end of May 2019, beginning of January 2019, Lou was placed in palliative hospice care, and they have been absolutely wonderful. In July 2019, the Lord reminded me, don't, y'all have another life insurance policy. I said, Lord, it can't happen twice. So I kept telling the Lord, Lord, I don't think it's going to happen again. So I called the other insurance company and I explained to them what had happened with the other insurance that they had waived loose premium because of his illness. The insurance company said, we'll submit the information and we'll see what happens. So in 2019, two months later, the premium was waived. So we didn't have that bill. Thank you, Lord. So I asked the agent about that particular policy, if it had the rider on it, the living needs benefit. She said, she said, no, it does not. She said, but then she questioned me. She said, 
well, how long does the doctor give, Lou? And I said, nobody knows that except the good Lord. I was a little bit aggravated with that question. Mm -hmm. And the agent said, well, I'm going to send you forms to fill out and have the doctor fill out forms also. And I, and I told the agent there, I said, our doctor now, our loose doctor now is with palliative hospice care. It's not with a neurologist anymore. She said, that's fine. Go ahead and tell that doctor to submit the information. So we received a letter from that insurance company denied October 2019. The Lord said, call the insurance company. I called the insurance company and I asked why the claim was denied. The agent advised it was just denied for right now, but she said, I've got it in pending status. I'll call the doctor in a few months, probably around December sometime, just to get an update on Mr. Kilpatrick. I thought to myself, oh, right. So I never, I didn't pursue it any longer. And then I thought, don't you have little faith. January 2020, we're leaving our house now. We're going to see family in Georgia, Lou, Mom, and myself. Um, a UPS driver pulls up in the driveway. He hands me a large envelope, and I thought, well, I haven't ordered any vitamins or supplements for Lou because I usually order his vitamins through the mail, and I could not remember ordering anything. So I opened up the envelope, and there was paperwork from the insurance company, and it also had a small envelope in there. I opened it up and there was a check from the insurance company for a little under what we would make for 2020 at my company. December 2019, I received an update on my health insurance premium that my premium was going to go up another $100. Um, friends and family had told me to start calling health insurance companies um, because of my rate that was going to go up. So I called several health insurance companies. Remember, I'm no longer working, so I don't have an income. The agent that quoted me at one particular health insurance company quoted me that I could that my premium was going to be $50 or less. I had been paying for the last several years over $500. I said, thank you, Lord. Again, this is all God. We received another blessing just a week ago, a few days ago, due to Lou's life insurance check for 2019. Our accountant called to advise that Lou qualified for special tax status due to his illness. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 1.31, as it is written, let the Lord who, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Lou will not be taxed on the 2019 check due to federal tax code. At the beginning of Lou's disease, I pray for healing. <laughs> I know our Lord can heal if he wants to. For the last several years, I pray that for peace and mercy. The Lord has given us so much peace and so much mercy. We're so thankful for family and friends. We're blessed for it, that we have a wonderful church family here. And we do want to say thank you for all your love and your prayers. And as I'm still today, I'm free. Just continue to pray for us and pray for all of our brothers and sisters here that are not well. And that's our journey so far. Jesus does all things well, doesn't he, church? I, I want to share with you a quote that I often remember when I'm going through trial and difficulty. It's a quote uh, by C.S. Lewis. Many of you probably know it well. He says, pain is God's megaphone. He whispers to us when we laugh, and he shouts to us when we weep. I think uh, Miss Dawn and Brother Lou's testimony really bears that out. 
And so as we go through times of wonderment, of trial, and seasons of life, let's all look for God's transformation and his faithfulness. Look for his glorious presence. He shows up in ways that we maybe never, ever experienced before, and we're transformed into the image of his glorious son. Thank you, Lord. Our final truth is this. God is sovereign so we can trust the Lord in the mystery. God is sovereign so you and I are able to trust him in the mystery. I love this concept of mystery because we as Christians stay humble. We have to. At times, we are arrogant to think that we have all the answers. We don't think we can figure out the coronavirus and uh, it, we, we do think we can figure out this coronavirus, and we think in the midst of that, we can uh, figure out what God's doing in this, so we put him in a box to say, well, this is what I think is going on. So we're going to live in the mystery today, <laughs> because Solomon did that as well. We need to sometimes live in the mystery as hard as it may be. Look at Ecclesiastes again, chapter 3, the second half of verse 11, and see what it says. Solomon says, he has also set eternity in their heart, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. Really that phrase, man will not find out, it can be easily translated, man cannot fathom the work God has done. I I like that. Because God is God and I am not. We have the privilege to humbly bow before him on his throne. See, you and I as human beings, we are always looking for answers, aren't we? We want to know how all the pieces of the puzzle fit together. But Solomon says, we're never guaranteed to be able to put the pieces of the puzzle together. But but one thing we can do is stand in awe of him. The scripture makes it clear. We may never know why, but we can still trust God in the mystery. Because he's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning from the end. We can say, yes, Lord, even in the most difficult times, we trust you. We've talked about this often a lot lately, but I wanted to bring this up again. There's an Old Testament book, uh, which many think is the first book to ever be written, even before those of Moses, and it's the book of Job. So 42 chapters really dedicated to one thing. Why, God? Uh, Then it concludes, and God has this, this lovely discourse with Job where he says, Job, were you there? When I hung the earth in the galaxy, were you there when I created the universe? Were you there when I made these beautiful animals and dinosaurs, if you will? Were you there at the beginning of creation, going all the way back to the beginning of time? And Job finally humbled himself. And, and really one of the greatest statements in the book of Job is found in verse 5 of chapter 42, where Job says this, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. There's a big difference between those two things. Uh, Job essentially says here, I, I knew about you, uh, but, but now I know you. And that's the conclusion of the book of Job. What a beautiful truth. You see, look, in the mystery, listen, Job never got all of his questions answered. Uh, no, Job never got to put the pieces of the puzzle together. But he could look up and he could stand in awe of the Lord. That's the privilege that you and I have today. 
Isaiah chapter 55, verse 9, a verse you may know very well, says this, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts greater than your thoughts. Isn't that great? We have a God who is bigger and higher and greater, and therefore our response ought to be to stand in awe and worship. I know in my own life that some of the most confusing and painful times, God has caused me to bow a knee and say, God, I knew about you, but now I know you so much more intimately because of this mystery, because I've had to trust and depend on you in the mystery, because I've had to recognize that you are God and I am not, and I'm not guaranteed all of the answers. And so here we stand wondering about the coronavirus. And I just want to conclude with an encouragement. Go up a notch. Look to the God who is on the throne. Keep your eyes solely upon him. Look to a God who is sovereign. Look to a God who transforms us in the midst of pain and the wonderment. Who takes the mysteries of life and uses it for his kingdom and glory. One final thing before we close with a final song. Solomon says God has put eternity in the hearts of people. I believe this with all my heart right now. I believe that God is is going to use the coronavirus in the lives of many people to cause them to look up. The coronavirus has certainly shown us how fragile we are, how human we are. The Lord is teaching us to, to number our days. They are numbered, but, but you and I have the chance not only to just experience this hope, but to share the love and hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because God has put eternity into the hearts of people. We know this. This verse, verse 11, reminds us a lot of Romans 1. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of man. And until that vacuum, that hole is filled with the good news of Jesus Christ, people like Solomon will walk in despair. And so let's be a people that bring hope. Let's bring blessings. Let's be in the midst of this time a people who bring good news, sharing hope, being a light in the midst of this dim season of life. God bless you. Let's go to Lord in prayer together. Father, We humbly submit ourselves before you because you are on the throne and we are not. Father, in the midst of this difficult time during the coronavirus, we pray that we'd look for opportunities to share your goodness and love, to share your hope, to share the gospel. Lord, I pray for anybody who's watching this. Maybe they came over with a family member and Lord, this is playing. Maybe They just wandered about it looking for answers. Father, I pray that they would know that there is a a God who loves them, a God who created them, who is worthy of their worship, and you would cause them to recognize and realize who Jesus is, what he's done in the gospel by dying for their sins and making a way um, so that they can be, have fellowship with a God who loves them, who created them. Father, they would repent of their sins and trust in the finished work of Christ for their salvation. Help us, Father, to be a people who do not live in fear, who do not live with lack of wisdom, but seek your face in the midst of this, knowing that you are on the throne. And may that provide us with an enormous amount of hope. 
in every season of life. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.